Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where and when you're listening to this. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Two Foot Tackle podcast. I'm your host, Ari Samatakos, and before we address the football and before we do the the formalities, um, I would like to apologise for the delay. Obviously, this is going out, not it in its traditional um, 9am time slot some technical difficulties occurred and it only took me seven weeks so you know what that's a positive i thought it happened a lot sooner than that but um yeah so some technical difficulties didn't allow this to air air should we call it air yeah let's call it air airing at at its proper time this is going out at 1 p.m a australian eastern standard time um on tuesday so only only the the four hour difference which you know what it's not that big of a deal but it's just it's funny to think that it is so um i hope you're all doing well i hope the week has treated you well um so a lot of football happened since last time we spoke the premier league is back um so a lot to talk about there the club world cup has come and gone i'm very happy about the results from that um well so we obviously we got two went into footed preview of the week Champions League football's back, European football's back, so we all love to say it. And um, yeah, some another Premier League um, is obviously back, and it's back in a big way with a couple of huge games happening this weekend. Firstly, before we start, I'd like to implore you all to um, like on Spotify, follow it on um, all the socials, Two Foot Tackle Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. It'll, it'll come up and chuck it a follow, give give it a like. And um, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the whole shebang, YouTube as well. Any engagement is greatly, greatly appreciated. Now, moving. as we Let's start as we always start with some A-League. And from the high of last week where victory... We'll start, we'll start on with you. I probably should have said that. Um, from the high last week where we won the FA Cup, it has come crashing down in a big way. Um, a 1-0 loss to Wellington and a 2-1 loss to Newcastle. Um, disappointing, to say the least. I'm not too worried about it considering the circumstances in either match. Obviously, the game against Wellington was probably the more disappointing one out of the two. We... Had I wouldn't say we dominated, but we had the fair share of the ball, had the fair share of the chances, and it was just unlucky that it was a defensive mistake to cost us the win. And obviously against Newcastle, a red card to our to our captain and our key midfielder um, just at the start of the second half doesn't help. Obviously, a dodgy penalty decision as well doesn't help. So unfortunate, but I. Speaking on Tony Popovich's sentiment after the Newcastle game about the red card and the penalty, I think the red card is harsh, but it's probably there. The only the only thing that I have a worry about is he was given no leeway. He can Josh Balanto committed two fouls, and then both were yellow cards. I think you just got to give a bit of nuance in that personally, but. I'm no referee, so I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about really, and. Um, the penalty for me was never a penalty. He is as soft as you get, really. And it's just a shame that it it had to cost us the, the three points. Obviously, we had a shot deflected off the line in the first half, which doesn't help. But 
you can't win them all. And we've learned that the hard way. Um, victory. Now, Central Coast 3, MacArthur 3. I won't be running through all the games, just the key ones and the ones where things happened. Um, I want to speak about this match purely because of Craig Nguyen and his absolute screamer of a goal. He belted that in. Uh, for those who didn't see it, it was the 90th minute, 89th minute. The ball gets crossed to the back post and outside of the foot, volley rifles it in the top corner, fading, like coming in and coming back. It was like a reverse swing in cricket, put it that way. Um, ab- yeah, gorgeous goal, absolutely gorgeous goal. And really, well, the one thing that's annoying me I think it's probably the best word about MacArthur is the lack of excitement in their play. They've got such a talented team, like super exciting and creative players, and yet they're just very principled, which, I mean, if, if it works for them, they're fine, fair enough. But I want to see the likes of Craig Noon get up the pitch more. Obviously, he's playing as a wing-back in, the, in a five-man defence. I want to see him progress. I want to see him get in advanced areas, receive the ball in better positions, but... Obviously, Milicic has his ways and isn't going to move from then you'd assume. Um, moving on to another Central Coast game. Central Coast won Perth 1. Obviously, a last-minute equaliser for Perth, which is good for them. But what we're here to talk about is Jason Cummings. Um, the cum dog scores his first A-leg goal. And, uh, yeah, the memes are funny, right? And, yeah, he's called the cum dog. That's great. But it's on a on a... On a on a quite serious level, it's a very shrewd signing. Like a very, very shrewd signing for, for Central Coast because we've seen A-League... Oh, sorry, we've seen like English exports... Oh, sorry, English ex- imports that have come from like the lower divisions of England either succeed, but there's plenty of scenario, there's plenty, plenty of cases for that, or fail. And it's... They're like... I think Jason Cummings is a good signing for Central Coast. Um, he's what they need. He's a goal scorer, proven goal scorer, and you can't go wrong with one of those. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a signing which has the potential to be not like club changing because he's not he's not a name. Like he's a good player, but he's not a name. But he could really, really elevate Central Coast into places that they've never that they've lacked especially since what since Daniel McBreen was there and like Bernie Abini so it's shrewd is probably the the definition for that signing um at the end of this weekend Western United are top of the league which I I hate (laughs) Uh, nothing against the club it's just the one nil merchants and it's not it's not good for the uh it's harsh to say it's not good for the league but you'd rather a sydney or a victory or a city or a western city sydney or a i don't know adelaide top of the like higher up on the league full credit to western united i don't really think many of the fans would be complaining um that i hate them because i'm not really sure they care but um yeah no nah, good on them they've got they've built a well, a well solid team, um, well drilled. John John Aloisi hasn't playing very just efficient football. It might not be the most exciting, but definitely very efficient, and they're getting the best out of what they have. So, full credit to them. How can I how can I say otherwise? Moving on to offshore, as we always go. The Premier League was back. It started midweek. 
and I want to start off by speaking about Manchester United. Now, this this will be in two parts, what I'm about to speak about, because obviously their 1-1 draw to Burnley and Southampton, if they had won both, I would have been six points clear in the top four. So, like, it's fine margins, but they currently sit outside of, outside of the top four race, and... I'm going to speak about this new part in two parts. You have the off-field side and the more mentality side and the on-field just lack of whatever it is. Now, speak about the on-field stuff first and I won't touch on a certain English centre-half captain because um, I'll speak about him later on. But it's, it's almost... It's kind of weird how obvious a lack of defensive midfielder that they have. It's bizarre that I can see it, 99.99% of United fans can see it, 100% of the media can see it, and like they can see that they don't have a defensive midfielder, and yet they, they just persist with not buying one, persist with playing McTominay there, who I think is a fine player, but he's not a Manchester United-level player in terms of, like starting at defensive midfield, starting as a six for them. And it's probably the most important position on the pitch because what what United lack in terms of defensive structure, which is probably their biggest weakness in terms of just overall structure, because what a defensive midfielder gives you, and I'm not even talking about like a, a world-class, like a, a Rodri, or like a Casemiro. I'm talking just like about a, a solid someone like a someone like a Yves Basuma, right? Who's good, very good in fact, but not not world class, not like a Fabinho level, right? But what Fabinho does to Liverpool is it makes Virgil Van Dijk and John Matip and Trent Alexander Arnold and um, Andrew Robertson a ten times better player purely because he's that like barrier. And he puts out fires. He can distribute. He, like, expands the play. So what United potentially lack in terms of clear distribution from the back and solid structure actually comes from the lack of defensive midfield, lack of a quality defensive midfielder because someone like a Rice or someone like a Wilfred Ndidi, right? I know Wilfred Ndidi to a lesser extent because he's more of a destroyer and a like a ball-winning midfielder rather than a deep-lying playmaker. But what they do is that they provide options. They'll drag a strike out of position to cut off the passing lane, thus creating better and more obvious and more advanced passes, right? And they, like... I don't know, it's, it's hard to articulate because it's just something that they need to do without it really being, re- like, there's no reason. They just need to do it. If they had Declan Rice at the base of that midfield, he puts out fires, he puts out little counter-attacks, makes a professional foul here and there, does a well-timed tackle, head, like heads the ball away, clears the ball, whatever. That makes Maguire and Varane instantly better because they have to defend less. And when they have to defend, it will be in less precarious situations because the more precarious the situation, the more likely the, the defensive midfielder is to stop it. And not only that, on the ball, someone like a Declan Rice will present, he'll drop deep, he'll create a three at the back, 
He's well-versed in carrying the ball forward. And it allows Maguire, especially, and I don't want to speak about him specifically too much because I'll speak about him a bit later, but it allows him and Varane to just be simple, like to just play simple passes, simple five-yard passes here and there, and then maybe they can take the ball up. Because Maguire and Varane are are good ball carriers. They might not be the best ball-playing centre-backs, but they can't spray 40-yard balls like a Virgil van Dijk or a David Luiz. But they're... Big units who can carry the ball forward. Varane especially is very quick. And he can take the ball forward. He can break into midfield. And he can then dictate the play from there. That that You can only do that if a defensive midfielder drops in. What Scott McTominay does and what Fred does, and I don't think Pogba's a defensive midfielder, so I won't put him in this bracket, right? Is they hide. They hide behind the defender. They don't present. If they do, they just present for a, for a bounce, for a, like a bounce back. They don't really create. And if United get Declan Rice, I think that could be the missing piece of the puzzle, especially if they get someone like an Eric Ten Hag or even a Zinedine Zidane because, he, because he's so versatile and he's so good at m- adapting to situations where he can be that ball-playing um, defensive midfielder one second and then make... and then. Pre- bring out like an N'Golo Kante like a defensive performance the next and I'm not saying Declan Rice is the answer I'm saying he could be the answer and I'm not even saying that Declan Rice is the only midfielder they can get because a certain Brazilian who went to Newcastle is probably the the defender the defensive midfielder they should have got and I even I've said that for a long time I think he was the man that United got and if they'd got him he could have been as influential as Bruno Fernandes was because he is that good and he was that perfect for that defensive midfielder role now obviously that's the defensive side like out of the way now they had something like 80 shots for 4 goals in like the last 4 games or something like that I don't understand how it's is it is it a confidence issue? Because a team with Ronaldo, Bruno, Rashford, um, Pogba, these quality players, how are they not scoring enough goals? And what what my mind goes to is confidence because of the hole that they're in. They're in a very deep hole, and it's a thing of they need to get that goal. They need to score. They don't like. Any athlete in any walk of life has always say they perform their best, their best when they're calm, and when they play off instinct and they don't they don't overthink things. What I saw, especially in the Southampton game, was their forwards overthinking every scenario, every counter attack, every one on one. They were overthinking it. They were like they took that fraction of a second, that half a second, too long. Bang! You get shut down. Keeper comes out. Defender closes you down, and like end of the end of the attack. And that's where someone like a Cristiano Ronaldo, who who I wasn't that keen. Now I want to be careful when talking about Ronaldo because obviously he's one of the he's probably one of the best players in the world at the moment, and one of the best players to ever play the game. I would go as far as to say he's definitely top three, probably even top two to ever play the game, right? And 
he is obviously has a proven track record. He has more credits in the bank than 99.999% of footballers on the planet. Yet, I do think he's had... I wouldn't say he's had a negative influence on the team, but he certainly hasn't had a positive one. And you can tell. And this is where I'm going to slowly sway into the off-field and more mentality issue because Ronaldo came to raise standards. And before I, before I delve deep into this, Ronaldo is not the problem. He, okay, he certainly is a problem to an extent, just like pretty much all the players are a problem to an extent. He's not the main one, probably not even in the top 10. But with Ronaldo, he's this leader. He's this like presence, this charismatic leader. When he's pretty much throwing his toys out the pram and storming off against Burnley after at full time, it's not a good look at all. And he his undroppable nature isn't creating, in my opinion, a good atmosphere for that United team because he's pretty much obliged to start every game even when the game doesn't suit, the style doesn't suit that suit him. And I, the reason why I was very worried about Ronaldo coming was I don't think Ole was the best person to, to get the best out of him. I was proven right to an extent. Obviously, he did have a very, very, very good start of the season, but he slowly petered off, and under Ragnik, it's actually gone even worse. The reason why is because Ragnik's system is high tempo, high intensity. You can't sacrifice. You can't sacrifice for a player. What what you get with Ronaldo is, you sacrifice. You sacrifice potentially another attacker for Ronaldo because he's equivalent of two attackers, right? And why he was so good at Real Madrid, at Juventus, to a lesser but still real extent was Zinedine Zidane in particular. And even in his latter years, he became... Like, people would think that Ronaldo was in his prime when he was at Real Madrid the whole time. That's not true. Towards his latter stages of Real Madrid, he was he was what he is now. Granted, he was a little bit more mobile, yes. But he was what he is now. And when they played the diamond, Karim Benzema was the most underrated footballer on the planet. And we've seen now just how good he is by how he's performing now. And what... And Benzema sacrificed himself, pretty much, to allow Ronaldo to do what he does best. And you're not going to get that from... You're certainly not going to get that from Bruno. You're certainly not going to get that from Marcus Rashford. I think you will get that from Edison Cavani, but there's a whole different issue with him. You're not going to get that from Jadon Sancho. He's come for £70 million. I'm not sure he wants to be a off-the-ball pressure merchant, like... Put in in light terms, it's a it's a thing of there's so many problems with them off off the off pitch, right? And I've with, with regards to Ragnik, right? I've always said when he, when he was appointed, I was like they've struck gold, not because of his managerial ability. I think he's a fine manager. He'd probably be top seven in the league, top six in the league, maybe eight, right? But as a footballing brain, he's 
out of this world good. He got, like look at the work he's done in bringing in players before they're the best. That's what United have. See, see, it's this thing when when players know they're the best, they have an ego, right? So, what you need to do is get players at. There's two advantages for getting players when they're young. You get them for cheap. You get them, so you get them for cheap, obviously, and then you get them when they're not, when they don't have an ego. When a player is young and hungry, they will fight for their place in the team. That's what Ragnik has, has that ability to identify. He identifies players who are young and are hungry, right? So when, so so United's problem, I'm, I'm struggling to articulate this properly, but United's, what, have you, what United have done is, They've identified the big fish, the Jadon Sancho's, your Bruno Fernandes was the best player in the Portuguese league, right? Your Paul Pogba's, your Cristiano Ronaldo's, etc., etc. What they've identified them pretty easy. Everyone knows how good they are. What Ragnik will come in uh, like in the in the coming seasons is he'll identify the young players who haven't quite proven themselves yet, and they will have a point to prove, and they will be more willing to sacrifice themselves for a place in the team because they know where they want to get to. And they don't have this ego of, oh, I'm so good, oh, I need to play every week and I need to play in a certain role. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see who they bring in. I think Eric Ten Hag is the answer, although I think if City are smart, they get Eric Ten Hag in ASAP because he is the success to Pep Guardiola and it's nearly uncanny how similar they are and how similar they play in terms of their teams. It's near uncanny, right? And I do think United would be more suited to a Zidane Zidane. And what you get with Zidane is a is a person who, firstly, is a master um, uh, man-manager. Like, he got that Real Madrid side to play unbelievable football when there was Bale, Benzema, Modric, Cruz, Varane, Ramos, Ronaldo, Casillas, all these, Danny Carvajal, all these egos, Marcelo, I can keep going on, Bale, Isco, like all these egos in the team and he got them to click because he's so intelligent and he's potentially the only manager in the world, I would go as far as to say, where every single footballer on the planet respects because if you're Paul Pogba, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer walks in the room. Paul Pogba will look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and think, I've, I, who the fuck, like, who are you? <laughs> like, with all due respect, who are you? Whereas everyone knows who Zidane Zidane is. He's probably top 10 footballers ever. So everyone will have respect for him. No one will want to cross him. That's my thoughts on it. Um, I'll speak about a certain English and a half a bit later. But, um, yeah, that's my two cents on the problems United have and what that could do to fix it because it's going to be tough. Moving on, Newcastle 3, um, Everton 1. I'm pretty sure that secures Newcastle's um, safety. I don't think that that will worry them anymore. And it's a, it's almost as if they they haven't really got the most out of their team. Um, obviously, Dan Byrne hasn't really settled in. Bruno Guimaraes hasn't really settled in. Granted, Kieran Trippier, yes, has. And 
Chris Wood has yes as well, who's been a little bit disappointing, but with if the, if the results stay the same, I think he'll be fine. And they've just done it, like they, they like to put it put it bluntly, they've done it. They've stayed up, and Kieran Trippier being so influential once again, and he will go down as one of the better sign. Like like he'll be a Newcastle cult hero if he can stay with his club until they win their next trophy, which. Who knows how long that will be. That could be the FA Cup. That could be the League Cup. Could be Prem, Champions League, Europa League, whatever. Right? If he stays with his club until they win the first trophy as captain, he will go down as a Newcastle legend because he's been that catalyst. He was the first signing. He was the Marquee signing. He's English. He's, yeah. Like, there's just something about him and that team in with that signing. He, yeah. Um, Everton, they could go down. Like, seriously they could go down um it's almost as if people can't fathom it because like it's evident they're too good to go down and that that too good to go down myth or whatever you want to call it has been disproven countless times by the likes of um obviously but that too good to go down has gone as far back as West Ham in the mid two thousands with like that team with Scott Parker and I think Joe Cole was in that team, Paolo De Canio. These are world like not world class but very, very good players and they still went down. So that whole too good to go down thing is not a thing anymore. Like it is serious. Anyone could go down. And even and the thing is with Everton, if they go down Richarlison would want to leave, Calvert-Lewin would want to leave, Decore, Alan, Holgate, Maynard, Godfrey, Pickford, all these players would want to leave because they're on ridiculous amounts of money, they're Premier League quality and evidently have invested so much money that if they go down, it's so dangerous. Um, and it's not just our Sunderland fans, it's not that easy to jump straight back up. Yes, Newcastle have done it, Norwich have done it, it doesn't happen to everyone. Forest have been in there for ages. Leeds just got back. Like, Villa struggled for a bit. It doesn't take... It's not an instant thing. The championship is a hard... It's a tough league. And when you're unsettled as a, as a team, it's even tougher. I, I want them to stay up because, obviously, Frank Lampard, I adore him. And I want him to succeed. And, yeah, but it is what it is. Newcastle will stay up, Everton might not. Um, moving on to Tottenham, obviously I'll speak about both their games. They choked a 2-1 lead to Southampton and lost 3-2 and they lost 2-0 to Wolves. Um, Spurs are in a hole. They're in a deep, deep, deep hole because their squad is not good enough. Granted, they have probably one of the best managers in the league and probably the world, but their squad is lower level Premier League quality. Because apart from Kane and apart from Son, there is no excitement. There is no real like game-winning quality. Yeah, Hoibio is okay. Like he's a solid defensive midfielder, but there's just nothing there that excites me as a neutral supporter. There is nothing there that screams to me, "Oh yeah, we're going places. We're gonna go back to where we were a couple of seasons ago under Poch." Like they are in a hole, and they're. They're inches away from being where Arsenal were a couple of seasons ago. But they are, their one saving grace is that Antonio Conte is probably, like we said, the best, one of the best managers in the, in the league. And the, the thing is, if Conte doesn't get backing from the board, he will leave. 
he does not care. He doesn't care about your story. If he's not happy with the circumstance, he will leave. And that would be the worst case scenario for Spurs. They need to keep Antonio Conte and they need to give him truck it, like bucket loads of money. It is ungodly how much money they need to give him because he's absolutely crucial to success. And it's it's a thing of I don't like I don't understand why they haven't because they brought in Conte and they thought oh he'll be he'll be fixed and they sold Deli Ali yeah fine and they brought in Kulusevski and Bentacore but they're not the quality of player that they need they need a proper player players plural and it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to transform this team like just bring, just having Antonio Conte, they need investment, and they spent a billion pounds on a stadium. They surely can afford a few more players of world class world class quality. Um, the Villa three leads three. Who knew Philip Coutinho would be this good? Um, obviously, all jokes aside. Phil Coutinho is something special. Um, we all knew that, but he's just taken his game and has really exploded back on the Premier League scene. A goal to assist, obviously Jacob Ramsey with two goals, so who knew that that was the, the central midfield part, like partnership that would see Villa climb the table. Um, moving on, Arsenal won, Lee, uh, Arsenal won Wolves nil. The key talking point coming out of that game was obviously Martinelli's red card. I think it's A, very harsh, but B, also correct. I think it was harsh. Like the, I think that rule, rule is correct, but it was just harsh that that was the first time I've ever seen it. Um, for those who didn't say it, Martinelli... So the first incident was Martinelli pushed a Wolves player as he was taking a throw-in, um, clear yellow card, and in the same phase of play, he... Um, pushed the counter-attack. So basically the throw went on to a player who was on a counter-attack and a professional foul by Martinelli brought him down. Now, in isolation, both incidents are yellow cards, but it's harsh that it happened like that. But it is what it is. I think it was the right decision. Um, but yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's. I can understand Arsenal fans' fury, but it's the right decision. Um, um, evidence, evidence three nil leads. Lampard's first win. They needed that big time. I still think they're in a hole, like I said, but they needed that big time. And I don't. With that saying, I don't think you should take a lot out of a Leeds game because. Like it's Leeds sometimes, like Leeds are very much an enigma in the Premier League. Some teams absolutely batter them, some teams struggle, and it's all about styles. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't really take too much out of that, which is a shame because they really should. But um, if they can back it up next week, then then they'll be on the right track. Um, Liverpool won, Burnley nil. Oh, so ever unconvincing, but I'm not sure Liverpool fans care. That keeps the title race open. They're nine points behind with the game in hand, so if they win their game in hand, six points behind, and then it's all to play for. Um, Newcastle keep winning, 1-0 win over Villa. Solid performance. Now, my team, Chelsea, didn't play in the Premier League because we were too busy 
being crowned the best club in the world. Um, they beat Alhalla 1-0 and Palmeiras 2-1. And I'll tell you first, before I speak of it, I find it extremely funny that FIFA, the official FIFA YouTube channel, got the game copyright striked and taken off the website. That is hilarious, and that just is a perfect summation of FIFA as a company. Um, yes, yeah, it was... Unconvincing both games, but Chelsea got it done. Officially crowned the best club, best club in the world. I really don't understand why the media snubbed this award. Not only is it just another piece of silverware, but it's also being crowned the best club in the world, like officially. Liverpool were the last English team to win. Last English team to win it. It's been dominated by um, like Real Madrid and Barcelona. The last, the last Chelsea, the last. Team English team in the final before Liverpool were Chelsea in 2011 um, against Corinthians and they lost 1 0. And Charles, you speak to any Chelsea fan now, that was there, they're heartbroken and they haven't gotten over that. So it's good that we got our revenge finally. It's been nearly a decade, but we got it. Um, moving now, moving on to Serie A, Napoli dominate. But failed to beat Inter 1 all, and AC Milan beat Sampdoria 1 0 to set up a title race, which has AC Milan one point clear at the top of the table, but Inter have a game in hand. So if Inter win their game in hand, it will be Napoli four points behind Inter, and AC Milan two points behind Inter. I, don't, I don't, personally, I don't really care who wins that, but I would like to see AC Milan win it. Although, seeing Napoli would be good fun, considering they haven't done it in ages. But, you know, I want to say Asimilan win it, purely because, obviously, the history. And also, Olivier Giroud deserves another title, as I said last week. One of the best French strikers in the modern era. Um, Atalanta won, Juventus won. This would normally set up a title, but this year it's setting up top four. This puts Juve two points clear with Atalanta a game in hand, so that's going to hot up. Another title race that could hot up is in the Bundesliga by losing 4-2. So it opens up the title to Dortmund, who can creep up on Bayern and really put put the Jets on and, and just get ever so close to them. Um, moving on to Spain, nothing. firstly, nothing much happened in France, so we won't talk about that. PSG won, and they're going to win the league. I can't... I, I can just cut a clip, like that clip, and just put it in every episode from now until the end of the season. Um, Atletico Madrid salvaged three points at the very last gasp, but once again, they, they had a 4-3 win after going down 3-2 and were down 10 men. Keeps top four hopes alive for them, which, yeah, good for them because they need it. And it's between them and Barcelona for top four. It'll be interesting to see who gets it. Very interesting to see who gets it. Um, moving on to the only segment I have on this podcast, who went into footed. It is, if you haven't seen the, seen this podcast before, this is the segment where I go through from the week's football, a player, club, team, organisation, pundit, fan, whoever, stadium even, um, who did something daft, who stuffed up, who... He's just just did something so 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 dumb, and 
This isn't an isolated incident, and I've already alluded to it, but Harry Maguire is this week's recipient. Um, not because of what he did do, but what he didn't do. Um, to put it bluntly, Harry Maguire is not a Manchester United-level centre-half. He's not even a top-10 Premier League team centre-back. He is relegation-level centre-half. He's just so ill-equipped to be a captain of Manchester United is unbelievable. He has let them down time after time after time. He is just, he's so inept defensively, it is unbelievable. And how Leicester scammed United for £80 million is beyond me because he's, and I don't want to be too harsh, but he's rubbish. Like he's just not good enough. And if he if he keeps that armband, it's an indictment of United as an organisation because he like it came to a head over the weekend. He was absolutely appalling, and he was lucky that United didn't lose either of those two games because he was shocking, and it was it was appalling to see someone with that role and that responsibility underperform like that. And it's a disappointing because you want to see Manchester United as a team and you want to see their captain perform well and to see him do that and to dish up those performances under like underwhelming to say the least um yeah i wanted to keep that brief because i I don't really want to speak about him too much but yeah harry Maguire needs to fix up asap moving on previews of the week ahead champions league football is back how fucking good's that um which can give some quick predictions of some games psg real madrid I'll go with PSG. We'll go PSG 1, Real Madrid 1. No, Real Madrid. No, PSG 2, Real Madrid 1. I think PSG will get it done at home. Um, Although that game could go either way. That's definitely the best. Definitely the best tie um, for the for the early early stages. Sporting versus Man City. Let's go with. Man City will win that pretty com- pretty comfortably. Um, let's go Sporting nil three Manchester City. Um, yeah, nothing much really to comment on that. Inter Milan versus Liverpool, probably the one for the purists. Very 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 rich game in terms of history and integrity in this fixture. It's in Italy, Inter Milan's home game, so I'll go with Inter Milan. One Liverpool one, I think it will be all to play for at Anfield. Um, and Salzburg versus Bayern Munich, I think Munich will get through pretty comfortably. So in the first leg, you'll be Munich three, Salzburg nil. Moving on to the BTEC Champions League, aka the Europa League, um, Barca versus Napoli. Who would have thought Barcelona would be in the Europa League? Um, I, I really like Napoli, man. I really like Napoli, and I just don't think Barcelona have the put it to put in lack of a better phrase, cojones, to um, perform in a slightly lesser competition. They don't have that character to perform when it's not a big game, in my opinion. And I'll go with Napoli to Barcelona nil. No, Barcelona won. Barcelona will get, a, will get a goal, but Napoli will win. And Dortmund versus Rangers. I really want Rangers to win because I want to see a Scottish club do do well. Um, but we'll go with Dortmund to Rangers 1. Um, but Rangers will, will make it a challenge at home. 
when they verse them. Um, moving to the Premier League pr- predictions, Man City versus Spurs. Spurs need to win that game. They're in such a hole, but I don't think they will. Um, so I'm going to go with... But I don't think they'll lose it either. I think Conte will pull it out of the bag, pull it out of the bag to be honest. I'm going to go with Mad City 1 Spurs 1. I think they'll get I think they'll get a point. And if they do, the title race, especially if Liverpool win their game in hand. Back on. And Leeds versus United uh, get another another um, game which is a must win for either side really but really for United um, United match up really well against against Leeds I don't think there'll be too much issue there um, well, let's go with Leeds to United 4 let's go with that why not let's go let's have one out there prediction United need to win they should win they will win um, they match up really well against Leeds and yeah I don't think Leeds are there yet to to make that derby upset. That's all for this week. Um, we battled through the technical difficulties. We battled through the 11.52 p.m. recording session, which I'm doing at the moment. But, um, yes, thank you all very much for watching. Um, it has been... A struggle, but we got there. Um, I hope the week's football treats you well. Um, stay well, stay safe, and see you guys. Bye.